Each week I, I receive a story from, a lot of stories from many of you about how the psalm is resonating with you and with your family. Uh, just this past week I heard from another family. They're going through and, and teaching it to their children line by line. They're having to memorize it. And I love that. I absolutely love that. I, I, I'm so looking forward to being Lottie's uh, church family. I'm so glad to be her pastor. And we're going we're gonna to help Lottie over the years learn Psalm 23, as, as so many of us have learned. What I pray doesn't happen is that we, uh, we don't become so familiar with Psalm 23 like we do other passages of Scripture or classic works of literature or art that we just kind of tuck it away and we stop, we stop listening. I hope that doesn't happen. I hope that we continue to feast on God's word each and every week as we're thinking about the Lord being our shepherd. Thank you for the way that you are living this psalm each and every week. I love hearing from you in that way. I think this psalm resonates with people for a lot of reasons, not the least of which are all of the connection points throughout the psalm, all of the imagery. It's, it's like a, a painting almost, and we can just sit and stay with it for a while, but you have shepherds and you have sheep and you have mountains and valleys, and my personal favorite, a long family-style eating table that surfaces. And today, two seemingly odd images, oil and cups, oil and cups. They seem like an odd topic for a sermon, and I honestly, I have not preached about oil and cups until uh, this day. They are so different and random, but theologically connected. Because for one reason, oil is so uh, highly valued. It's used at all the right moments, and it always marks something or someone God is claiming and calling holy and sacred. And cups, they always put us back at a table. There weren't any, you know, solos and turvises back then. It wasn't about traveling. Cups were always at a table. So all of this business about cups put us at a table. Oil and cups, there they are for today. Something I haven't mentioned over the course of this psalm, and, and maybe some of you have thought about it, is the psalm just prior to Psalm 23, Psalm 22. You know how it begins? You do. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right. We have a lament psalm next to a pastoral care psalm. And I love the word tension. I love that these two things are laid right alongside one another. Because I think life is like that. At, at any moment, there's this feeling of emptiness laid alongside fulfillment, right? Or abandonment and togetherness being right there to right there alongside each other. I also am mindful that Jesus, about whom we just read, the one who was anointed, the one on whom oil would be placed in preparation for burial, prayed Psalm 22 from the cross, probably sang it from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I think at any moment in life, we're kind of like that. It's mountains and valleys, you know? It's being empty, it's being full. So when it feels like life and its meaning have lapsed or that it's as brittle as a fallen leaf in the wintertime, that's when God shows up with this extravagant grace to pour out over us and to pour into us, to fill us back up. 
We are covered and we are filled. We are poured over and into, and then we pour ourselves out for others. The late Rachel Held Evans is, is one of my favorite writers. Uh, she died way too young, but she said, you know, there's nearly 200 references that speak about oil to light lamps and to soothe dry skin and to honor guests and to mark a sacred place and to mark a moment of commitment and to entice and to comfort and to consecrate and to heal and to anoint priests and prophets and kings and to prepare a body for burial as we have heard. Oil has a lot of meanings, a lot of properties. Uh, I have some oil here with me today. I, I keep it in my desk. Don't worry, I'm not going to break it open uh, like the woman did in the story. But these small little vials, uh, they'll fool you. One of them is Queen Esther I got from Jerusalem. This one is frankincense and jasmine. And then I have, it's a great song, the Balm of Gilead, right? I have the actual balm right here, James. Here it is. Here's the thing. If I were to take these small little bits of oil right now and, and spread them on my hands and, and on the pulpit here, which I won't, the interior folks will be happy, it wouldn't take long and this whole room, this whole room would fill up with a beautiful fragrance. What that reminds me when I read Psalm 23, 5, and it talks about anointing your head with oil, I, I'm just reminded that a little bit of God's grace can fill up this world with hope and with joy, with the fragrance of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. How are you letting God pour over you in a way so that your life, your words, your silence, your actions, your inactions are fragrant and remind people that God is with them. You know, to be anointed was to be chosen, consecrated, commissioned for a very specific holy task. Things can be anointed. People can be anointed. You certainly read about that in, in the Exodus story. You know, take, the oil, take this oil and make it, uh, take the frankincense and the myrrh and take all of these spices and and grind them into a powder and make oil and consecrate everything at the altar and all of the utensils and all of the furniture. But then also the priests, Aaron and his sons and the, and the people. And for all generations, this oil will be considered holy, just like this space will be considered holy. Did, did you know that the word Messiah, uh, Christ, means the one anointed with oil? So actually, when we read about this woman in Bethany, anointing Jesus with oil, she does something that no one else gets. Certainly not her, her Jesus' 12 uh, disciples, the band of brothers who would go out, their icons are pictured here, who would go out and, and change the world. They would live out Matthew 28. And here she, here she is, here she is with an understanding even deeper than their own. I love that about Lady Sunday, uh, actually. The fact that we're reading about this laywoman who does a priestly act reserved only for priests, only for men. She, she lets her hair down. She takes a year's worth of wages that, that would have cost, uh, that's what the oil would have cost, and she smashes it open in a dramatic way and says, I don't care what it costs. I don't care if you think it's wasteful. I'm bringing it to the Messiah. He is the one who's anointed by God. And I wonder if she heard this or would hear it later 
she would hear Jesus say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me. He's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the captives go free and the oppressed to go free and the prisoners to go free. I wonder if she had in her mind, he is the anointed one. And this beautiful story, the disciples, they didn't get it. Lucas very aptly prayed about it this morning. They did what many of us would do. What are you doing wasting that? Sell it. Let's give it to the poor. No, there's something, there's something bigger here. The one person who can bring total liberation to all people who were wounded and broken by life, to all people who are depleted and empty. This is the one who is anointed and does the anointing. The one who fills us up and pours himself out as an example for us. And it's just a few hours from this very event in Matthew 26. Jesus would do just that, right? He would pour himself out for the sins of the world. So I love this story. I love how she gets it and nobody else does. I love how the whole room would have filled up with this fragrance. This, if this little bit would fill up all of this space, and I know it would, the reason I know that is because my own hand sanitizer will do that, right? <laughs> Think about a costly basin of oil and how long that event must have resonated with people. You know, the ancients knew something else about oil. They knew that it had healing properties. If you kept up with the Wednesday night conversations that, uh, that Lucas and Jillian and Jason led, they just had finished the book of James, and there's a wonderful line in there that says, when someone is sick, the elders of the church, they call them the elders of the church, and they should go pray with that person, anoint them with oil, and lay hands on them and pray for them. And I tell you, on a rare occasion uh, in my ministry, I've been called to do just that. Somebody is, is dying, a loved one is dying, and I get called to the bedside, and they say, hey, do you have any of that... Do you have any of that balm that we did in a Stephen ministry healing service? Do you have any of that balm that we did in an Alpha healing service? Do you have any of that balm that I heard that, that you shared? or heard now that you, I know you've got it. I'm going to hear more about it. Now we bring some of that balm. Yes, I will. And in those very tender moments, those very holy moments, we do something like pray Psalm 23 together. But I'll take this oil and, and I'll, I'll make the sign of the cross on someone's forehead, and, and we will lay hands on them, and we, we will pray, as James told us to do. But at no time do we assume that there's going to be a cure that happens. I, I know it can, knowing what I know about God. But what we believe more importantly will happen is that the person will be healed. And the persons around, standing around will be healed. Because healness and, and curing are different. Healness is about holy, holiness of mind and body and soul. Healing is about peace. Right? Healing is about assurance, that blessed assurance about which we sing. If you want to be filled up, if you want to be poured over, you've got to have that blessed assurance. So Psalm 23.5 says, You anoint my head with oil. And when this happens, to paraphrase, the cups of our hearts are blessed and they overflow in those tender, tender moments. You know, the image of anointing with oil and cups overflowing, it's, it's always tied to table, table fellowship. Uh, table fellowship is tied to hospitality. 
Uh, hospitality has a root word. You know it as hospital. Where do people go for healing? You go to a hospital. So being in the presence of the shepherd, being in the presence of the body, being in the church is like being in a hospital where we go to have our hearts and our lives healed. There's a couple of, couple of final things that I, I want to just share with you briefly about this oil and, and cups business. They both have to do with, with traveling, with journeying, with being a sojourner, with traveling through life. Just like Jesus was, he was traveling, you know, he was traveling through life from, from the cradle all the way up to the cross and then the empty tomb. And this woman recognized there was something profound at that table fellowship about anointing him with oil as they were sharing a meal together. Uh, in the, in the east, um, guests traveled long distances, and it wasn't uncommon at all for, for a host to take in a traveler, whether they knew that traveler or, or not, especially strangers. That, that was a sign of honor. I'm going to take in a stranger. And, it, and what they would do is they would bring out their finest oil. They would bring out their finest drink, and they would apply that oil to the traveler's hands and arms, feet, and whole body and head, it was like getting a shower, basically, and stopping in a, in a motel. A hostel is, is the word that's used often. And what that oil would do is it would, it would heal up any wounds, scrapes, cuts, bruises even, that battered a traveler along his or her journey. It would take, oil would take that putrid body, that body odor from a sweaty traveler into something pleasing. And that's important, because how many of your mamas told you you can't come to the supper table with hands like that, right? Yeah. Mine said you got to be pressure washed. Not just wash your hands, but you got to we got to be washed, right? So the costliness of the oil, what it did is it to a visitor is it signaled you are worthy to be here. You are valuable in the sight of, of the host. You are an honored guest, and your dignity will be restored. You'll be rejuvenated as long as you were at this table. And as long as you're here, we're going to set up a, a drink before you, and we're going to fill that drink. We're going to make sure that it remains full, because we want you to know how valued you are to us. So your cup's going to remain full to make sure that you're hydrated before you take the next step of your journey. But the other symbolic reason that cups would overflow, that's the image in, in Psalm 23.5, is that it served as a symbolic reminder to the traveler that inasmuch as you have been filled up and now this is pouring out, you have to pour yourself out for others who are empty as well. That's how the symbol worked. We're going to anoint you, consecrate you as something sacred and valuable. We're going to fill your cup up, but not just a little bit, all the way over. It's going to be lavish. We're going to bring out our best for you. And when you see those drops spilling over, you just remember, traveler, that there are other people who are thirsty and are weary along their way as well. From a shepherding perspective, it, it's quite simple. Um, sheep often had to, uh, these nose fly things, I know this grows right before lunch, but the, they had these nose flies things that would try to, they would bug them to death, literally trying to embed themselves in the nostrils of a sheep, and it would make them lose their minds. And they would get infected. And you know what happens? We, we've heard this from the second week of this series. If one sheep becomes frightened or fearful or frenetic or at, uh, at risk, it affects the whole flock. So the shepherd would do what only the shepherd can do, would put this grease 
all over, as deterrent all over the head of the, of the sheep. And, and the other thing that sheep would do, you know, sheep like to, they like to butt heads, and sometimes that would create a wound, and that wound has to become infected. It would become infected. That was no good for the shepherd. The sheep, the shepherd needed a spotless lamb. So the shepherd had to keep applying this ointment, had to keep a constant watch over the sheep because the spotless lambs were the most valuable lambs. You know where I'm going with this? So as Passover came, you had to bring your spotless lamb as an atonement for the sins of the people. So God presented his anointed spotless lamb to take away the sins of the world. In the wintertime, uh, Philip Keller, whose book we've been using, says that sometimes uh, the sheep would, would become endangered because they would nearly freeze to death. They would become chilled to the bone. And so what he did is he kept his own little uh, flask. It was a mixture of brandy and, and water. And when the sheep were just on the verge of, of being at, at super, super risk, he would take that concoction, he would pour it in them, and life would come back. He would take something out of his cup and pour it into those uh, that were empty and, and needed and restore them back to life. Oil and cups, strange images, but so important. What are we to do with all of this? Well, I want to share just a couple of, couple of things as I close. One is every single person who, who's here, every single person I've met in life, all of you who are watching all across the world right now, every single one of us are on this journey, this journey of, of life together, and it's not always easy. We get battered, we get worn, depleted, tired, cut, scraped. But no matter how far we've traveled, no matter where we've been, no matter how rancid our lives have become, no matter how wayward and worn we are, there's a table host, shepherd God, who brings out the fine oil, pours it over you. It's called grace. Spares no expense, our God. And then he just keeps on pouring till it overflows, that grace. We do not deserve such hospitality, but God gives it anyway. We all keep going astray and don't deserve to be let back in, but God's arms are always open wide. You think about the parable of the lost son. There's that image of God, the prodigal God, really. We're so incredibly stinky sheep but God has this wonderful way of healing us back to life. Second thing is, along this journey, I want you to hear this. Sheep within the flock, they're going to butt heads. And sometimes, when they do, it wounds the other sheep. I think honest debate, political and theological sparring are one thing, and healthy things, actually. But when we wound another member of the flock, we do harm to the entire flock. So be, be mindful of one another. Butt heads, but do not hurt each other. I think the only way forward through these shadows and these valleys right now is by following the voice of God Almighty. Third thing I want you to ask yourself this week is what bugs you? What is trying to invade your mind, your heart, your soul? What is it that 
annoys and bugs you because left unchecked, left untreated by the shepherd, left unattended even by the, the flock, it, it will just continue to fester. It'll affect you and your family. It'll affect your church. It'll affect our community. And then finally, however depleted we are, however depleted we are, there's always enough with God for each of us. So King David says, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. So for what purpose? Well, I want to ask you to consider your prayer concerns and how you need to be filled up by God's grace. I want to ask you to consider the places where you're broken and fragile, the places where you're wounded and hurt, or the places where others you know feel that way, about God even, about life, or about church, or about humanity. Because we all have things about which we worry. We all have things that, that have wounded us, and they need a little bit of God's graceful balm. I have my own. I worry about my children. They're adults, but I still worry about them. I'm their daddy. I worry about my parents, and I worry about uh, statistics showing how a lot of people are outliving retirement by 8, 10, 12, 15 years. Is there ever enough? I worry about the congregational mental health as this pandemic lingers and we take steps forward. And I worry about our city and I wonder about our city and the need for God's people to rise up and say, you know what? We've had God's grace poured over us and we've had God's grace fill us up. Not on our watch will we let another child go hungry or not on our watch will we allow this violence to persist. And certainly not on our watch will we continue to be the brunt of education jokes because God's people are anointed, set apart for the work of the holy, consecrated, sealed with the same waters of baptism as Lottie. That's our ordination to go change the world. We are filled up, every one of us, with the right ideas and the right resources to pour ourselves out. And it's God's resurrection power and redemptive grace that, that should flow out of every sanctuary into all the nooks and crannies that are depleted around Montgomery so that God himself says, well done, good and faithful servants. You have taken something so costly that I have anointed you with and filled you up with, and unselfishly, you've broken it back open for the sake of many. Well done. What I need you to hear today is when that happens, God will continue to say, I'll cover you up. I got you covered with grace. I'll, I'll continue to fill you up. Just don't forget why. It's so that we can anoint others with the goodness and the hope and the joy that we have been given.